Hi, this is Rabbi Duvi Ben Shushan from Congregation Magen Abraham, located on East 9th between T and Avenue U. Thank you so much in advance for listening to the following shiur. You may not believe this, but once upon a time, in a generation so many years back, the time that people used to serve Avodah Zarah, there was an Avodah Zarah that was called Molech. And the way to serve this Avodah Zarah was in through a terrible, monstrous act. They used to actually serve up their children to the Avodah Zarah's fires in the way of serving this Avodah Zarah. And who would even think of something so hideous, such a monstrous act? But the Torah actually talks about it. And the Torah tells us, Mizaracha lotiten lahavir lemolech. Chas v'shalom, to stay far away from Avodah Zarah. But this particular one, to give your children to the Avodah Zarah, says Torah, stay far away. But the Torah doesn't stop there. Then the Torah goes on to say, and you know why? Because it's a terrible chilul Hashem. The words of the Torah, velo t'chalel et shem elokecha, ani Hashem. Says the Ramban, why did the Torah have to go that extra step? Torah simply could have said, Avodah Zarah, it is what it is, one of the three cardinal sins that you must give your life away for, for and not do. But yet the Torah says, not just Avodah Zarah, it is also a Chilul Hashem. Says the Ramban, where is the Chilul Hashem? Explains the Ramban, an incredible Yisot. And this is a life Yisot. Says the Ramban, because if somebody would be walking by and they would see this guy bringing his children to the fires of Abu Zarah, you know what they would say? Take a look at this guy. When he brings a korban to Hashem, he brings an animal. And to the Molech, he brings his kids. When it comes to serving God, all he can offer up is an animal. But when it comes to serving Avodah Zarah, he's even ready to sacrifice his own kids. Says the Ramban, that is a Chilul Hashem. You're ready not just to serve Avodah Zarah, but to sacrifice more for Avodah Zarah than what you do for Hashem? Oh, that is horrible. That is a real Chilul Hashem. It's here that the Ramban gives us an incredible insight to maybe even a new definition of what Chilul Hashem is all about. And explains the Ramban, Chilul Hashem, in Hashem's eyes, is not just someone that does something that desecrates or degrades God's name. Not just that a Jew does something that will make Has Shalom Hashem or the Jewish people look bad. But even more than that, says the Ramban, this week we're going to talk about priorities. Where do you put an importance to in life? And if chas v'shalom, we give more of an importance to that which is a false deity over the importance that we give to Hashem, the truth, that is also a blatant halul Hashem. Ladies, I want to go back a little bit in history. And to illustrate this, I'd like you to listen for a moment. Did you know there was a time, and this is discussed in the book of Shemuel Aleph, there was a time that Klal Yisrael, when they went out to war, they would actually take the Aaron with them to war. And while they had the Aaron with them, they had with them such blessing, such strength. Hashem was amongst them. 
generally. But Shemuel Aleph discusses a war that Klal Yisrael had with the Pilishtim, the Philistines. And there they went to war, and they were there with the Ark, with the Aaron, and they lost the war. And not just that, but the Aaron was captured by the enemy, by the Pilishtim. The Aaron was captured, and it was held for six, almost seven months. And while the Aaron was there amongst the Pilishtim, they were being plagued right and left. And they understood that uh, the Aaron was destroying them. It wasn't worth even holding on to. So after the while, Pilishtim decided, give it back. Just give it back. The Aaron itself was killing them. So what did they do? They took the Aaron and they put it on a wagon. And it was held and it was pulled by two steer, by two oxen. And the Aaron one day simply comes rolling into town. Comes back to Klal Yisrael and it's returned. And when the Jewish people got the Aaron back, they rejoiced. But you know what the Gemara says? Right after we finally got the Aaron back, after seven months of absence, the Gemara says, instead of the blessing coming back, suddenly a plague broke out in Klal Yisrael. Tens of thousands of Jews began to die in this plague. Says the Gemara, well, what's going on? We got the Aaron back. This was supposed to be something of great blessing. The Mazal is back. God's back. The Aaron is back with us. A plague? Tens of thousands dying? Why? Says the Mefarshim. And they bring a famous Midrash. The Midrash says, Amar HaKadosh Baruch Hu, Hashem said, If one of them, my children, Klal Yisrael, if one of the Jewish people would have lost a chicken, a chicken that laid eggs, you know what they would do? they go banging on doors from house to house, yelling and screaming, did anybody see my chicken? They would hang up signs with big letters, reward, anyone who sees my chicken, return. This guy loses night's sleep over the chicken and the eggs that he's losing money on. My chicken is lost. Has anyone seen it? He would be ice mensch. He wouldn't be, he wouldn't be able to, de to deal with it. Says Hashem, and my Aaron was gone for seven months and nobody looked for it and nobody lost sleep. Look at that. Says Borealam in the Midrash. They give more importance and they were more worried about their chickens than my Aaron Kodesh. And because of that blatant Chilul Hashem, a terrible plague broke out. This is the incredible concept of the Ramban. It's not just about Avodah It's simply about when one gives more importance to that which is self-serving, when one gives more importance to our own wants and needs, and not nearly the amount of importance to what Hashem wants, says the Ramban, that is a new definition of a concept so critical as Chilul Hashem. Chilul Hashem is not something we want to play with. You have to see what the, Ram, the Rambam writes. And God forbid, somebody that falls into a Chilul Hashem, what does it take to get kapara, teshuvah for Chilul Hashem? Even one, the Rambam writes, teshuvah, not enough. Yom Kippur, not enough. Ne'ilah, not enough. Yisurim, terrible tragedies, difficulties of life that generally are mechaper. Chilul Hashem, not enough. Not until the actual mitah, 
where a person's life is taken from the world, plus all of the previous mentioned, only that complete combination together of Teshuvah, Yom Kippur, Me'ila, Isurim, and Mita, and all that to forgive one Chilul Hashem. And if this is the case, I'd like to talk to you this week about the concept and the topic of our priorities and this incredible Yisod of the Ramban, the concept of a Chilul Hashem, giving importance to everything else, our personal wantings, our needs. But when it comes to what Hashem wants, somehow is the importance the same degree. And the reason why I'd also like to speak about this is because I don't know if we've really paid attention, but how can we not? In the last eight months, there were already three fires in our own backyard, in Kalal Yisrael's suffering. Some of those fires, Baruch Hashem, they came out okay, and some not. The fires are burning. Something is yelling, something screaming out there for us to open our eyes and wake up. And what is it? I'm not here to tell you what it is. That only Hashem could say. But what I can tell you is, there is a fire here burning. And generally, Chilul Hashem is something that you got to be extremely careful with. So let's talk about the Ramban's definition of Chilul Hashem and our priorities. I find many times, and I've dealt with many guys over the years, you know, someone buys a new house. Rabbi, tell me a good place to buy mezuzot. I need a sofer. I want to go buy tefillin. And great. So you give them the best guys you know, the most reliable, the best ones for them to get, the best mitzvah. But then the conversation always spins. Uh, how much do you think it is? I said, well, you go to the sofer. He'll show you. You know, like everything in life, there are degrees, there are pricings. And I'm sure he'll give you a whole spread of different prices, mezuzot, depending on the quality, depending on the sofer, depending on your shamayim, depending how clean and how well and the work. That's what you're going to pay like everything in life. And every time, time and time again, when I follow up and I find out, so how did it work out? He says, oh yeah, great. You know, he showed me different levels and I went with the uh, $18 uh, mezuzot and, and you know, for the front of the house and maybe the bedroom, I took uh, the $36 mezuzot. I said, really? But that's all he had? He said, no, Rabbi, he had. Wow, you had to see the stuff he had. But I told the sofer, just give me something kosher. So I took the kosher goods. Because, hey, it's good. What's the difference? What's the difference? $18 mezuzot. $26 mezuzot. They might be kosher. But that did it for you? Yeah. Guy goes and gets tefillin. He says to the sofer, listen, I'm not looking to spread more than four or five hundred dollars. That's it. And then, when one of the guys walk into the showroom, and he's going to the dealership to pick up a car, suddenly, the light bulb goes on. He knows the brochure inside out with every detail. All the bells and all the whistles are already rolling off his tongue. Matter of fact, he outdoes the salesman in his own dealership. And he turns to the salesman and he teaches him about his own product. And I've seen this. I've gone with guys from our community. They're so smooth and so clean that they outdid the salesman in salesmanship. And that's on a car dealership, the place that everyone gets scared to be sold. And they sell the salesman. Can you believe that? 
And they start telling the guy, listen, I want you to throw in the leather seats, and I want you to throw in the back uh, up camera, and don't forget about the trimmings, and then I want these alloy wheels. I mean, they start spitting out things that people themselves working didn't know existed on these models. And without it, we have no deal. Oh no, I, 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 I want high line. I won't be caught dead in something if it's not top of the line. And suddenly, the guy that went from the Sofair's store of just give me something that's legally kosher becomes this whiz and shoots as high as he could on the highest of high line with all the bells and whistles only to get something that he might himself not be able to afford, but he has to have it. And says, Borei Olam, what happened? I don't mind if you drive that magnificent car. Why not? Blein hara! Klali Israel, your royalty. You deserve a carriage of royalty with white horses. No one's going to take that away from you, even if the horses are in the engine. But at least when it comes to me, can I ask at least for the same? Can't I at least ask you that when you walk into that so fair and you start to pick out the tefillin and you start picking out the mezuzot, do a little background check. Ask people, who's the so fair? Who should I be asking for? Who has the good stuff? Ay, ay, ay. But suddenly, says Borei Olam, when it comes to your wantings and your needs, you shoot as high as the sky. But when it comes to my wantings and my misvot, we end up with the $18 chinuch set of lulav and etrog for an adult because the guy there by the stool said it was kosher. What happened to our priorities? Says the Ramban, this is a chilul Hashem. This is a blatant chilul Hashem. You know, once upon a time, these things used to bother me terribly. Once upon a time, you know, you hang out enough years with people, the appliances, it has to be touch screen, everything has to have all the fanciest and highest of quality. Somehow or other, when it came back to what Hashem wanted, it didn't always pull off or work that way. Nonetheless, I started to realize that a lot of it comes out of a lack of knowledge, a lack of education. Let me explain to you what I mean. It used to bother me terribly. That school, different schools, would call PTA one night. And you'd walk into the PTA, and you'd see very long lines of parents waiting outside the room of the English teachers. And then when you walked into the room where the Rebbe was sitting, you look around, and there is the Rebbe sitting with the crickets. Cricket, cricket. And you say to yourself, what's going on here? The English teacher, the science teacher, the math teacher has a line out the door. I want to know what's going on with my son's education. And the Rebbe who's sitting in that room alone, waiting to talk to somebody, to tell a parent how the vital education of what's going to keep your kid good, refined, give him the tools to be able to survive in life as a father, as a husband, as a human being, as a Ben Adam. And there is nobody knocking on his door. How is this? These things bothered me. A blatant Chilul Hashem. The education, what we put, the science and text and, and math books above the Gemara and the Homash. 
Suddenly the entire focus is just on education, but the Torah no longer rates up there with the education of Goyim? Could you imagine Bore Olam looking at this scene? Where suddenly our yeshivot are only being picked for one reason, education, nothing else. What about the, what about the Hebrew department? What about the Rebbe's? Okay, over here to learn a little bit more Gemara, a little less Gemara. Rabbi, someone told me, they're all good. Really? They're all good? I'm very happy to hear they're all good. But for your kid, they're all good? Yeah. He'll learn a little more Torah, a little less Torah. No, but education. If he doesn't get that education today, how is he going to live? Really? That's the whole focus? Could you imagine what God feels at that moment? You really went and you gave Edgar Allan Poe, the drunk, more hashivut than Abaya and Rava. You went and gave Hemingway, the flirt, more hashivut than Rabbi Akiva. You went and you gave, I mean, really, over the wisdom and the genius of Hashem, and you traded it for the wisdom of Goyim. And that to you is what really is going to make and break your decision of education in your child. What happened to our priorities? These things used to bother me so much. Mamash, I'm telling you, I used to lose sleep over this, dealing with people. How many times I dealt with parents that they came to me and told me, Rabbi, I don't like this yeshiva. They did this and that, and they didn't speak to me nicely. That's it. I'm taking my son out, and I'm sending him to public school. What? Because of something like that, a small little this, where if anybody can step in to fix up a miscommunication, you're ready to take your child and send them to the Goyim. That Torah education means nothing to you. And a little flick of a switch like that, and you're ready to write it off. Says Hashem, if you would give the Torah and its education to our children as much, as much, as what we're giving to the secular education, no, but to make it literally as secondary, says the Ramban, that's Achilul Hashem. And the fires are burning. And Shamayim wants to know where are we going with this? Where will it end? And I don't want anyone to walk out today getting the wrong message. I am extremely for education. And I think it's wonderful that we have intelligent kids, that have a good education, that have a good career ahead of them, that will go out into the world in the professional side of life and be able to conquer and make a, make a good name for themselves and a good career. But I do not, in any which way, shape, or form, feel that any Jew on the planet would agree with the fact that the wisdom of the Goyim should give more importance than what Hashem and his Torah has to offer. What made us Jews? What made us a chosen people? What made us a special people? Asher baharbanu mikol ha'amin. I chose you amongst the nations. You know what makes you you? It's not the science you know. It's not the math you know. It's not trigonometry. It is v'natanlanu et ha-Torah. It was the Torah and the godly wisdom and God's chokhmah that I put into you that makes you you. Otherwise, you're like everybody else. You want to be an eagle? Or do you want to be a chicken pecking at the seats? This is what made you who you are. 
Don't negate it. We need to start realizing the importance, how we focus. It should be on what Hashem and His focus and His Torah is about. Everything else we need, of course we need, but we need it for what it's worth. But don't take the steak and turn it into the dip and then turn the salads into the main course. That is a chilul Hashem. Maybe you'll see where I'm going with this. You might have heard there is a restaurant in the city. It's run by a wonderful guy, Glock Kosher Restaurant. They have great food. I, I forgot the name. I, recently someone told me about it and it just slipped my mind. But the beauty of this story is that the guy who told me the story was sitting right there at the table when this happened. And he says to me, this restaurant, they have this really cute gig where they have a sign on the wall and it says that if you say a Dvar Torah on the table, They'll give you free dessert. So it was great. I mean, hey, that's great. I'd like to show up just for dessert. I mean, that's the truth. But I'm thinking to myself, like, you know, what was he, just trying to push a bad dessert menu? But no. I heard they come out with this elaborate dessert menu of the greatest of stuff. You know, not like some of these places that the dessert looks better than really what it tastes. You know, it comes out and it looks like, you know, they put it in the way of a dove and a bird with wings. And, and you're thinking like, wow, this is unbelievable. The thing's going to fly right off the plate. And then you jump into it and it's like, oh, it tasted better as a bird, you know, than, than uh, no, this dessert menu was awesome. They had everything on it. But the, the owner of the place, a religious guy, he really wanted to uh, get people to say Dvar Torah, and all you do is call, call over the waiter. He calls out the owner. Owner comes out, he listens for two minutes, and he gives you any dessert, one dessert per person on the table, for free. It's great. What a great deal. So here we are. This guy tells me he was sitting there in the restaurant, and there was a few guys from our community who were sitting right behind him from a very good school, educated kids, high-line kids, mainstream kids, very sharp kids. And they love the meal, they're talking about how good the food is, and they love this restaurant. And then one guy spots on the wall the sign. Sayer Dvar Torah on the table, free dessert. So right away, ah, it's a sketch, come on, ah, it can't be. Nah. So they pull over the waiter, hey waiter, is this that? He says, yeah. You want me to call the, uh, the balabai? You want me to call the, uh, the owner? All he has to do is listen, he gives you free to anything you want on the dessert. He said, but he has a great day. Yeah, we'll give you anything on the dessert menu. Kid says, great, okay, give us two minutes. So now each other is looking at each, everybody's looking at each other on the table. And it's quiet. Okay, so now all we gotta do is say it to our Torah. So one guy's looking at the other guy, and the other guy's looking at the other guy, and they're looking at each other, they're shrugging their shoulders. What are we gonna do? Who's gonna say something? It's silent. No one has anything to say. Finally, one genius for the L'Shem of the dessert. He says, I got it. He pulls out his phone. I'm going to Google a Dvar Torah. I think this is where the speech should end. I think this says it all. We had to Google a Dvar Torah. Ah, but we're high line. We're very educated. And we're going for the brightest and best careers. And education, 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 don't get me wrong. And I am right there with you on that. But really? Yes, there might be a diploma on the wall, but that is also a certification for an ama aretz. What good is it? 
if we have to Google our Dvar Torah. Says Hashem, look, you're able to, you're able to give over Macbeth, Hamlet. You're able to give over the laws of Freud. You're able to enjoy literature. But what about my Torah? How did my Torah and wisdom and chokhmah be swept under the carpet with all the importance given to the goyim and their wisdom? And God forbid if somebody walks up and says, like I heard recently, well, Rabbi, that education can get you somewhere in life. Where is the Torah going to get me? My friend, you just proved the Ramban right. That's a walking, talking Chilul Hashem. If you think that these Mark Twain and his works can get you further than God's works, then we got to go back to Bereshit bara Elohim. We have to reprogram the system because that is a blatant Chilul Hashem. This, this used to bother me very much once upon a time. These things used to hurt me terribly. Hey. And I'll tell you the truth. I realized over the years that it's not because people don't want to give Hashem the honor, the accord, and the importance to God and His Torah. But it honestly is a lack of education. They just don't know. That's the real truth. Here, they understand what they're going to get. They'll get a job. And if they get a job, they'll have a parnasah. And then their kids will be able to have an easier life of maybe the way they had, starting from scratch, coming over to this country with the shirt on their back. And, and that they understand very well. But maybe if we would start educating, maybe if people would start getting the message, do you know what a Piratifilin is? To some people, that Piratifilin was part of a ceremony when they became 13 years old. So to them, it's a ceremony. Two black boxes with string. Why should I spend $1,000 when I can get it kosher for 400 Yes, if it's part of a ceremony, okay. But if someone would open their eyes and explain to them that a piratifilin is the crown that God put on our heads. If someone explained to them that the nerve beginnings in the human brain starts right up at the top where the tefillin box starts and all 32 nerves go down to the back of the cortex, up on top of the shidra, the spine, exactly the passageway of where the tefillin runs, where the box is on the front of the nerve ends and the knot is at the back of the nerve ends where it goes down to the spine, giving a person function and mobility and life. And how genius when Hashem told us to put on that shell rosh, literally it imbues the person through his nerves, physical and spiritual, an entire kiddushah to an extent that you're an uplifted person. And those parashiot on the inside, they're like the inside of a transistor radio. It's like wearing a spiritual antenna that when you put on those antennas and they go up, you can reach the vibe and wavelengths of shamayim, where now you can communicate with Shamayim on a wavelength that you could never have done without those tefillin. These are spiritual antennas. Now my tefillot are heard on the other side of the universe because I have my antennas on in a spiritual way. Wow, Rabbi, I didn't know that. I didn't know that about tefillin. Then it makes sense how there's a very big difference at the quality. You want to go and buy a $25 transistor radio? Or you want to buy a sound system? Something that really will spur you into another universe. 
your tefillot suddenly will be heard in Shamayim in full blared stereo with both speakers. I mean, that's, that's, the, that's what you're paying for. Rabbi, I didn't know. If that was the case, of course, I would have went for the best item. I would have went for the best product. Did you ever see a photographer, a professional photographer, walk into an electronic store and ask for a uh, disposable camera? But they don't know what the purpose of the item is for. If you're a photographer, you know you got to get the best pictures out there if you want to survive in this business. you got to get the Nikon with the long lenses. But that's the way we are in spirituality. We just have to understand why purpose go out and ask get that education if you want to talk about real education find out why we do what we do why we are what we are and that will give you a new meaning to every mitzvah and every step of life and suddenly those mitzvot will become so becoming it'll become so attractive that you'll be willing to give everything because wow look what i can reach i can go beyond the universe with these mitzvot who would hold back a few bucks it's a lack of education. If people would know today, I'm telling you, coming from somebody who deals with over 200 guys a week between the ages of 15 and 35, and I'm telling you the difference between the ones who had a solid Torah education and the ones that didn't, the ones that had Torah running through their blood, brought up with a Torah chinuch, in a real yeshiva, with real learning, what a difference on the outcome of its product. And I'm not putting him up against some Hazik kids. No. I'm referring to the ones with the top educations. But when it comes to the home, what about a father? What about a husband? What about life? What about being a human being? What about being a mensch? If there isn't a Torah education, you can have a high line teudah, but the person might be lacking. What good is it if he's good in the office, if in life he's lacking the essentials? Only Torah gives that, nothing else. Let's not forget why we need what we need. Let's remember where to put the real importance and where we need to get by. Recently, I was uh, teaching in class. I came in one morning. And I saw a kid sitting in the back of the class, and his eyes were closed, and his hand was clenched, and his mouth was mouthing words, and he was just going on like, to me it looked like he was saying, it was right after breakfast, but he was saying it with such kavanah, I was like, blown away, I was taken back, wow. But then after two minutes he didn't stop, he keeps going with his eyes closed, mouthing the words, say, oh, probably it's yeah, probably he washed for breakfast, you know. And, and after another five minutes, I'm thinking, wow, this guy, I don't know, he keeps going and going. It sounds like Amidah to me. I mean, he, this guy's not stopping. I mean, he's sitting, but something doesn't, but he's, he's, oh, he's going and going. His eyes are closed and he's clenching his fist and he's mouthing the words with Kavanah and he's going and going. Finally, this went on for almost 10 minutes. I said, this is too much. I called the boy's name. Hey, Mosh. The kid looks up. I said, you in the middle of uh, Birkat Amazon? He pulls a headphone out of his ear that I didn't see. He says, Birkat Amazon, Rabbi? I'm listening to Drake. I'm listening to a rapper. 
He was mouthing the words with his eyes closed, punching with kavanah. He knew every word by heart. And I looked at him and I said, you got to be joking me. Do you know uh, Boren Fashot by heart? No. Alamichia by heart? No. No, come on. Pekatamaz on rabbi. That's a book already. That's a whole book. You want me to know a whole book? I said, but, but, but you, know, you know the rapper? Word for word, in sync, exactly the way he said it, you said it, with the poetry and how it rhymed, and not just one song, but he knows over 150 pieces, he told me. Word for word by heart. What happened to our priorities? Says the Ramban, when the rappers are grabbing our kids, and the focus and the importance are going in that direction. And when it comes to anything of Avodat Hashem, they look at us in a way of, are you joking? Why should I know this? Suddenly we stop and think, where are the priorities we're putting in today? This isn't a comfortable subject. This isn't a subject that people like talking about. But I tell you the truth, Parashat Kedoshim, was always a parasha of Kiddoshim Tehiyu. It was a parasha that a rabbi earns his stripes year after year. It's the week that the rabbi has to get up and talk truth, brave those topics that people don't really like talking about. Because if the rabbi doesn't talk about it, it might be worse. Kiddoshim Tehiyu. Where are our priorities? What are we doing with our kids? What direction are they being brought up? Uh, you know, I really do believe that if we'd open our eyes and see that which we are giving importance to and look into it a little better, we'd see how much sheker there is out there. We're giving so much importance to such stupidities and to what's real and true Somehow or other, they're constantly being swept under the rug. They had this incredible testing that they did in UCLA, big college, top. UCLA in 1972, this is documented. They had a course that they were giving for students. It was a art appreciation course. And they had there about 50, 60 students on the first day of the course. And the professor of the art appreciation course, uh, he opens up. And he shows them three paintings. And he tells them, these three paintings, one of them is Van Gogh. One of them was painted by an amateur. And one of them was painted by an elephant with its snout. They gave the elephant the paintbrush and randomly just plopped together colors. Here are the three paintings, class. I'd like you to take the next half hour Examine these three paintings, and I want you to identify which one is the priceless Van Gogh. Ah, for the next half hour, 50, 60 students come up, examining to the finest of finest of colors, each and every painting. Finally, the moment of truth. 82% picked the elephant's painting. That's Van Gogh, professor. Look at the colors, the scheme. Look at the way the colors mesh seamlessly into each other. 
Look how it was spread out perfectly across the canvas. Wow, look at the genius, look at the brilliance. Ay, 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 ay. Take a look. Sheker. This is what the importance is being given to. Such nothingness, such stupidity, where we're making the nothingness something. And the something of greatness that the world was created for this purpose. And that we're negating and making it nothing. Says the Ramban. This is what makes Hashem so kiviachol hurt, if we can use that term. This is a blatant chilul Hashem. Everything out there of our personal needs and feds and wantings, all the importance. But to God's wantings and importance, we're falling short. Yes, it's a lack of education. But nonetheless, we need to realize how lucky we are. How much we have. How rich the brilliance of Torah is. How genius it is. The Torah was not given to rabbis. The Torah was given to Klal Yisrael. The Torah was given El Kol Adat Bnei Yisrael Kedoshim Tehiyu. Everybody, everyone has the obligation to be able to realize what God does want from us, where we should be putting the importance and the focus in life. Not to get caught up. Recently, I don't know if you've realized, someone came up to me and said to me, hey Rabbi, on the outside of the shul, is that a new gimmick to raise money? I said, what? He says, you know, on the outside of the shul, as you walk in right off this door, there are those little slots there. It looks like uh, P.O. boxes. You're selling P.O. boxes in the shul? I said, P.O. boxes in the shul? What are you talking about? And suddenly it hit me. I, I, remember, I realized what he was talking about. He was talking about the, uh, the cell phone box that we installed on the outside of the Bet Midrash. That every time a person comes into Shachrit in the morning, they holster their pistol. They take out their cell. Yeah, it's a pistol. It's a, it's a weapon. That cell phone has killed many, many good people. He holstered his pistol and he puts it inside the cell phone box and then he turns the key and there's a number that corresponds to the box and he comes into Shahri for a 45-minute quiet conversation with God without anything pulling at him, buzzing at him. Do you know what type of a Kiddush Hashem that is? Because at that moment, when that cell phone is put in its coffin, excuse me, in its box, that's where it belongs. In its box, you come into shul, you know, you just, before you even started to pray, you made a statement to Hashem. Hashem, you come first to me. The next 45 minutes, I'm dedicating to a meeting with you. It's not like sometimes, God forbid, we should never know, and I'm sure in our communities doesn't exist, but you hear about people that they come into Shachrit and they put the Sidur down on one side and the cell phone right next to it and their head goes side to side like windshield wipers, looking side to side between Sidur and phone, Sidur and phone. Maybe someone just texts, oh my God, I might have to wait 20 minutes to see what they... Hashem, this is your time. I'm putting you in front of everything else. I'm disconnecting from the world, Hashem for you, to connect to you. I'm going to connect to you. That is a Kiddush Hashem. Finally, we started to show and put the importance in the area that it belongs. Incredible. I have a tremendous respect for the 70, 80 guys that come here every single night to learn. In a night seder from eight to 10. These guys could be going anywhere. These guys have cars. So they have the access to go anywhere they want. They have friends that call them night by night. Find out about this. They have friends that call them, let's go to the city, let's go to a club, let's go here, let's go there. And these guys have to be strong enough to say, no, 
I'm part of a real learning program. I love my Rebbe, and I'm going to learn at night on my own volition. You know what statement that kid makes? I mean, those type of kids, in my opinion, they create explosions in Shamayim of good for Klal Yisrael. Look, look how far we could be. And I want to tell you something. These boys didn't go to what you would call the most black of yeshivot. You'd be surprised if I tell you the names they went to. But someone gave them an education of a love for learning and how it makes them great people, not ordinary and average. And because of that, they're ready to put the learning and Hashem in front of everything else, even sometimes peer pressure. And for a 17, 18-year-old, that's not easy to do. What a kiddush Hashem that is. When we finally start putting the importance, the sacrifice, and the focus on where it really belongs. And that is service for Hashem, and not just our own self-serving needs. I'd like to just end off and tell you. And this, to me, was incredible. I never believed it could get this far. But nonetheless, it has. A few years back, oh, before I tell you that one, let me just tell you this one. A week ago, I walked into shul, and there was a guy there, alone in the shul. And he was holding his cell phone right up in front of his face, and he was making this real serious face look. And I'm thinking, what is this guy doing? I don't know. Maybe he's trying to be a model one day. He's taking a selfie. Maybe he's taking pictures of himself. You know, the black and whites look better when they're serious. Maybe he's taking a black and white selfie of himself. Because these days I have an app for anything. I'm sure they have a black and white selfie. So he's taking, a, I'm thinking to myself, that's probably it. Or maybe they have an app for a mirror. So he's looking at himself in the mirror, but with a real serious face. Maybe he doesn't like what he looks, what he sees. But he's looking at the mirror, and he's looking at the... So I quietly just walk right behind him. And I look at the phone as he's looking dead center at it with a serious face. And I see there's no mirror and there's no picture. But rather, there's another face of a different person on the other side. Looking back at him with also a serious face. And I'm thinking, what in the world is going on here? They're not talking to each other. They're not moving. They're not even flinching. They're just looking at each other with serious faces and no one is moving. I said, this is ridiculous. The guy on the other side, I mean, I've never seen a face like that. I walked up to the kid and I said to him, what's going on? He said to me, shh, 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 Rabbi, leave me alone. I'm, I almost won. One? Are you joking? What are you doing? What do you mean one? Rabbi, quiet, I almost got him, I almost got him, I won. I said, what are you talking about? He says, come on, just leave me alone. I, if, if you talk to me, I'm gonna smile and then I'm gonna lose. I said, what? He said, yeah, did you hear about the app, the game, Flinch? They put you together with somebody on the other side of the world. Here's this kid looking dead in the eye with an Arab Saudi Arabian taxi driver playing Flinch. Finally, he wins. He jumps up. Ha ha, I won. And he starts screaming to the guy in Arabic. Anna, Yehud. I looked at him and I said, you, you're joking me? He said, why? What's the matter? What's wrong? I said, well, let me get this. You have nothing to do? You're playing flinch with a guy on the other side of the world? A Saudi Arabian taxi driver? This is what we got to? Oh, no, but, 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 but Rabbi, education! Education? What are we doing? We're putting tuxedos on donkeys? What are we doing? 
happened to our priorities? Where is our direction? Says the Ramban. Open up your eyes. Understand the need of Torah in a Jew's life. We get clarity of what's real and what's not. We get clarity of what's important and what's not. We get clarity of where we need to put the focus and the importance in life and what's so shaker. No more Van Gogh pictures made by the snouts of elephants. It's all the king's clothing of nothingness. Let's remind ourselves what's real. Let's give our heart and our souls and everything we can to what's really important to Hashem, His Avodah, and His Torah. And then the greatest of Kiddush Hashem, a Kiddushim Tiyu people, a people that will be Zoche to those great moments of coming of Mashiach. Amen.